what it do, what it do There's a full court pressure, I'm just going for the two If I'm open for the three, I'ma take it in a second Even if there's one second, I'ma make it, it's nothing I don't take it for granted, I don't take it for nothing I take it for what it's worth to the dirt, motherfucker, yeah Baby, you gotta know that I'm just out Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the Call It How We See It podcast, episode four. I'm here with my colleague, Pril Sabadri. What's up? And we got a very special guest calling from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We got Justin in the building tonight. <laughs> What's up, guys? I, uh, I'm a fan of the show. I'm just happy to be here. Thanks a lot. Yeah, so today we're going to do a, a quick playoff recap like we always do, and then we're going to get into comparing eras. Why do does every old player think that their era was the golden era? Why does every old player think that today's game is soft? They have a problem with free agency, with uh, technical fouls, flagrant fouls, hand-checking, whatever their issue is, we're going to talk about all that. And how would some of the older players stack up if they played in today's game? So I'm excited, guys. We got a lot to talk about. First, let's talk about the Cavs and the Warriors. Who do you guys think is going to lose a game first? <laughs> I mean, my money's on the Cavs just because I think the Warriors team is one of the best teams we've ever seen. I wouldn't bet against them ever. So it'll be the Cavs in the finals. That's like my prediction right now because they're both rolling. I, I mean, on, honestly, if we're talking about who I think is going to lose first, I I have to go, you know, out west just because whoever Golden State faces in the next round is going to be a better opponent than whoever the Cavs get. You know what I mean? So whether or not it's Houston or San Antonio, they're going to put up a better fight than Boston or Washington. So I really don't see the Cavs losing any games until the finals. I agree. I I wouldn't be shocked if the Warriors lost game three, either in Texas at one of the two teams. Uh, either way, I don't think either of those teams are in any trouble in the conference finals. Just the way they're playing now, they're just rolling. And um, <clears throat> I think that that the the finals is is going to just tell us a lot about who both these, these teams, teams are. when they when they get challenged. Because I think both teams will get challenged in the finals. So, so that actually makes me think of something I wanted to get you guys' take on. And that's obviously the first two rounds of the playoffs, especially with the best teams, you know, that are in the league and really the Cavs and the Warriors. They've been railroading teams and there really hasn't been a ton of competition in rounds one and two. Do you I mean, feel like the Pacers gave the Cavs a couple scares, but like the game one I mean, game two were a couple of point games. He, he means in the series as a whole. Right. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. Nobody ever so, thought they were in trouble. Yeah. So since the competition has been so you know, one-sided, have you guys, like, are you guys, you know, nervous about if the finals doesn't live up to any kind of, you know, excitement that we're building up to right now? Do you feel like this is going to actually hurt the league because it'll be exactly what everyone predicted at the beginning of the season, which was, you know, Golden State in five? Honestly, I think that will hurt the league. It'll hurt the reputation of it as, like, just competition. And Kevin Durant going to the Warriors already, I feel like, drew some animosity toward professional sports athletes today and how everybody just chases a ring. You know, like Ray Allen did it a few years ago with the Celtics when he went to the Heat. And the the old Celtics players still have animosity towards them, you know. So I think it might help in an odd way because everybody's going to hate the Warriors so much they'll be less inclined to do that. 
you know what I mean? To just go to the team that wins because they'll feel like they're hypocrites for talking so much shit about Kevin Durant and going. I think I think it could like end up helping the league in a, in a in a backward sort of way if the Warriors just destroy everybody. Like they'll be the villain. And nobody wants to be the villain. Yeah. So so my take on that is I I see both sides. I understand why people would have issues with that. Me personally, I don't. I I just think that I think it's great because it just makes the anticipation of the finals that much greater. And I feel like most people have have chosen a side. So, it, you know, like I think honestly in the last 2 years, I think the better team didn't win the finals. I think fully healthy, the Cavs were better in 2015 and I think the Warriors were a lot better last year. They just ran into injuries and didn't play well at the right time. Like I, I get, I get why you know that that's part of being good is doing it when it really counts. But I, I can't see how someone could say that the Cavs team last year was better than that Warriors team. <laughs> but I mean, I, I guess it's the rubber match. So they both have one, and and this year, you know, I mean, everyone, everyone's healthy. In consideration. Taking into consideration, you know, Draymond's suspension last year, you know, we might not have even seen a game six, let alone, you know, Cavs in seven. True. I mean, he he definitely has to do a better job of controlling himself. But I think that was a, a bullshit suspension anyway. Like, it, it, he didn't get suspended for the finals. He got suspended for everything else. Yeah, no, he got he didn't get suspended for the act. It was because of that, like, accumulation of exactly. uh, flagrant foul rules. And and I, I think that when they when they when they changed that from a technical foul to a flagrant foul because he was at the flagrant foul threshold, not the technical foul threshold, I think you can kind of point to that and you know. Yeah, like, yeah, and I guess let's sort of on the topic of control with Steve Kerr still being out right now and Mike Brown being you know the coach, you can see that like in Draymond's antics almost he's kind of like has that substitute teacher in the room where he can do a little <laughs> bit more where like Kerr isn't babysitting as much. So like, do you guys think that when it, they actually make it to the finals against the Cavaliers, do you think that that is going to play a part in any way? Obviously last year it did. And you know, it might've cost them a championship. Uh, I don't think so. I, I think uh, Draymond, he, he's passionate player. The, the thing that you love about him is what you hate about him. But I think this time he, he's going to have it more under control when, when he needs to. I think that that's a really big lesson to learn. That's a really tough pill to swallow. And I, I can't see it happening again. I hope not because that just kind of ruins it for me. But I'm, I don't think he's changed. You know, Maybe he doesn't get unlucky. Maybe he doesn't go for that that one time. But I don't think he's like going to play any differently. He's still going to go all out. He's still going to do what he feels like he needs to do in the moment to win. You know, I don't think he's thinking about tomorrow when he's playing today. You know, it just doesn't strike me as the way he is. And there's a lot of players like that. And I, I respect that to an extent, you know, and you don't want him to be worried about like, all right, let me not go up for this foul because maybe they're going to call a bullshit flagrant or something. You kind of want him to be Draymond. That's what he does. And that's what he's really good at it. But so I, I don't think I don't not, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be super surprised. Got you. What do you guys think about the Wizards Celtic series? We've seen a lot of flagrant fouls, technical fouls, suspensions, ejections, trash talking. Like it has all the makings for a great series, except we don't get the sense that either of these are great teams in terms of championship contenders. Like we, we both feel that 
no matter who advances to the next round, are going to get bounced handily by the Cavs. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's crazy that the Celtics are the number one seed and, like, nobody, nobody, zero yeah, people right. not from Boston. Yeah, everybody's sleeping on the one seed, yeah. I had the Wizards in seven uh, at first, and I, I still see it that way. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. the Celtics no respect. Like, I, I've got the yeah. Wizards in this. Yeah, I. they just, they're too hot and cold. Like, even in games that they've won, they've they've gone like they've let the other team go on like twenty nothing runs, and stuff like that. They lost the first two games on our home floor to the Bulls. I, I just feel like you have to be more consistent if you're going to be the one team. Like you have to show people like they're not putting fear into any other teams. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I, I mean, if I were calling it right now, I'd probably go Wizards seven. Also, just like John Wall has been the best player in the series. John Wall's going to be the best player on the court come game seven. You know, Isaiah Thomas is having an incredible season, but like John Wall and Bradley Beal combined are, you know, both better than really anybody that the Celtics can put out there. So Avery, Avery Bradley's been outplaying Bradley Beal, though. Has he? Yeah, for sure. I, I wouldn't go that far. I I mean, Beal is putting up 20 plus night, you know, each night. This, you know, the series is tied. Bradley's locking up like crazy, which is you know what he's known for. But I'd say that Beal has easily been, you know, just as good as as Bradley in the series. Uh, I mean, I I think that he lost it for them in game two. Like he lost game two for them. Yeah, yeah, no argument there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd like to see more out of Marcus Smart. Just cut down on the turnovers. Uh, Rozier's let Jennings get all up in his head. You can see it. Um, Horford, Horford's been doing okay. Olenek's been doing okay. I, I just, I don't know. I, I think that the Wizards are going to beat them two out of three of these, of these next games. Yeah, like, I, I, I would kind of personally be surprised if the Celtics put out two more. All right, so now we're going to go out west and get into this Houston-San Antonio series. Uh, right now, it's... Three minutes left in the fourth quarter of game five. Houston is up two points. What do you guys think? I mean, the, the series as a whole, like, obviously this game is it's close. It's been really entertaining so far. But I don't know about you guys. I've been a little disappointed and, a, like, a little bit underwhelmed with the series so far. Like, I thought I was going to get, like, vintage Kawhi, Harden, head-to-head, you know, where, you know, Harden's putting up 40 in a trip dub and Kawhi's doing something heroic like he did against Memphis in round one. But, like, I, I haven't really seen any iconic moments yet, at least in my mind. I, you know, maybe they, they close out the series in a, in a way more dramatic fashion. But I think the Tony Parker injury definitely, you know, some takes some away from uh, the intrigue here. And I just don't think that either team has been terribly consistent. I don't know. It's been, no. it's been a little bit of a letdown. It's like it's like Harden and Kawhi are taking turns having dominant games up up through game four. This game has been incredible. And uh, to be honest, two weeks ago we we had we did our on episode two we did our top ten players discussion, and I said that I would take Harden over Kawhi, and that's looking like a good pick. Pro, what do you think? <laughs> I'm actually not watching the game right now, but they're tied two two, so. I, I'm not like worried <laughs> about uh, my pick. I still think it's the best choice. I, I forget where I read this, so this isn't me saying it. But somebody said if you go into 2K and you create a player, you're trying to make Kawhi Leonard. 
You're not trying to make James Harden. He has too many weaknesses. You're trying to make Kawhi Leonard. So, yeah, I'm taking the creative player. <laughs> but but James has more strengths. I, I, I understand that. But I'll, I'll, I'll say it's same, same reasoning. I think uh, Kawhi's strengths – Outweigh James' strengths in the same way that Kawhi's weaknesses like outweigh James's weaknesses. Other way around, James's weaknesses outweigh Kawhi's weaknesses. In, in my okay. opinion, Justin, you weren't with us for that episode, but I'm sure you've heard it. Who would you take if those two are on the clock and you're going on a playoff run? <laughs> it's I'll, I'll be totally honest, man. It's it's a tough call to make. I think a lot of it probably has to deal with the personnel. You know, I, well, well, the so the criteria was that you have no one else on your team. Like this is your first player. I mean, if I'm if I'm starting from scratch, if I'm being totally honest with you guys, I'm taking Kawhi just because I know when I have that guy, I have an A one player at both ends of the court. You know, I don't need to have I need don't need to go out and get my three and D guy because I already have that. I don't need to go out and get to, you know my closing scorer because I already have that. So, like, me personally, I want the guy that can go both ends of the floor, but I totally understand any argument in the other direction. Yeah, so my argument in the other direction would be that Harden makes everyone else on the team better at offense, where Kawhi is a career, like, three-assist-a-game guy, where if he's not scoring the ball, he's not helping as much on offense. And he's Spacing. not as efficient as a scorer as people, some people like to make him out to be. I mean, I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he had one of the top 10, if not top 15, you know, effective field goal percentages on the season. He was almost 50-40-90 for the year. I think he was just under in terms of the free throw department. And, you know, the guy put up about 25 a game on one of the, you know, what was he, two seed in the, in the West. So I think all of that, again, really does speak to if you look at the way that the Spurs offense has run this season and especially going into the playoffs, Kawhi's been the guy, you know? So even though he doesn't create like Harden does, it's not really his skill set. And I don't think that if you use him the right way at that end of the court, like you can make Kawhi Leonard make other players on his team better. You just have to put the right system around him, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's kind of, it's kind of like how well where was why wasn't James Harden this great two years ago or on the Thunder? It's like the system wasn't in place for James Harden to do what James Harden can do, I guess. But I, I still don't see Kawhi ever being like a distributor, you know. But that's that's okay with me if I'm if I'm have to choose one or the other. Like I feel like it's easier to find a, a level two a second a second hand James Harden than it is to find a second hand Kawhi, you know. So Kawhi wasn't forty, fifty, or ninety. I think that was last year, right? What was he? Uh, thirty-eight, eighty-eight, forty-eight. I think. So pretty close. So on pretty all close. Three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, uh, points per shot, Harden is higher. So I, I think that that's an efficiency stat too. Sure, oh, but no, was, I, he, I, he wasn't comparing efficiency that, against him. You were saying you said he's yeah, not that efficient. He's saying he is I that think efficient. That Harden, more efficient score. I think that Harden is the better score, better offensive player. But to Priel's point, Kawhi's not that far behind. And when you look at the other end of the, you know, the other end of the basketball court, the disparity is stark. For sure, there. I, okay, I, I I concede that there's a big gap on defense. I think that there's a big gap on offense too, bigger than some people would say. I think Ka- Kawhi. I think there's a. I think Harden 
Okay, let me let me just start. <laughs> Go for it. So that's true. I, I I do I admit that there's a big gap on defense, but I think there's a big gap on offense as well. A bigger gap than most people than most people see. Which gap's bigger? So okay, so even if you say the defensive gap is bigger, let, let's say let's say the defensive gap is bigger. I think that offense is a bigger part of the game. I know that you're on defense half the time and you're on offense half the time, but on defense you can like the other team can stay away from you and render you pretty much useless on defense. I, I feel like on if the offense, other team is staying away if, from you, you're rendering them useless. You're rendering their best player useless. So it doesn't have to be their best player though. But if you put their, if you put your best defender on their best player and they stay away from you, you're rendering their best player useless, right? You choose who you're guarding. Well, no. What if they're what if they force you into a switch? <laughs> then you, your defense is dictating the offense, which is kind of what you want to do. Like either all the things you're saying are wins for the defense. Forcing you into a switch. So if they if Kawhi is guarding Harden and then they switch with Beverly and send Beverly to the corner, that's Kawhi doing something good. If you're if you're designing your offense around, all right, we got to try to manage Kawhi. There's only a couple seconds on the. Sh- there's not that much time on the shot clock. It you're taking them. Matter, man. You have Harden on a big. How often do, how often does that? I mean, that happens. It happens a lot. Sure, all but the time. It happens all the time. Sure, but my my point is, it you, you, we're still not rendering him useless. You're not you're not rendering him ineffective. So, are you saying that you don't think offense is it's easier for a player to make an impact on offense than it is on defense? I've never said that. I'm saying that the, the well, I'm asking you. I let me finish because you did the same thing. Uh, I am saying that uh, just because you can take a player. You're, you're you're changing your offense around a player's defensive capabilities. Like you're you're changing your game plan. You're game planning against a specific player, and it's not like it's easy to just render Kawhi useless. Like people would have done it. He wouldn't have four steals a game and however whatever he's doing every game. He it's not it's not like a simple thing to just take the one of the best defend the best defender in the league out of the game, or else Draymond wouldn't be so good. Kawhi wouldn't be so good. Like we wouldn't be talking about this. So sure, maybe sometimes you can get the switch that you want if everything goes perfectly and you can render the best defender useless, but that doesn't happen more often than not. So no, I don't think that defense individual defensive player can make as big of an impact as an individual offensive player. However, Kawhi does make a giant impact offensively and defensively. It's not like he's a pretty good offensive player. No, he's an elite offensive player. And he's an elite defensive player. In the NBA, think about how many times you've seen great defense and just a good, incredible shot, like a better shot. Like, that can happen. So Kawhi can do everything right, and the team can still score. If Harden scores, then, you know, you're still net two points or three points or whatever it is. Like, on offense, you can – it's more of a guaranteed impact than on defense. You can't measure – like if that, oh my god! Oh, I'm sorry. Patty Mills just banked in a three at the buzzer, and <laughs> I'm like, what just happened? Why'd she get so mad? <laughs> he banked in a three at the buzzer, tie game. But they're saying that the ball wasn't out of his hand on time because Harden, uh, Harden, Harden made a great defensive play. An was incredible it, was, to close regulation. Yeah, to close regulation. Holy shit. I ran upstairs, so I'm not watching it right now because it's quiet yeah. up here. That's crazy. So Harden just made the play of the game on defense to save them uh, a loss. But, I mean, uh, we don't have to talk about that. Also, Harden had more steals than Kawhi this year. But we won't have to talk about that either. Um, talk about that if you want. If you want to. I, don't think, I, don't think, I, don't, I don't think those reach uh, statistical significance. I don't think that they, that they are valid in this argument. But I appreciate the hustle. (laughs) 
All right, so now let's get into some eras. Justin, I noticed some of your favorite players are from older eras. What do you think about the current climate of the NBA versus how it was in the 80s or the 90s or any of those times? So I'm a big believer that it's it's really impossible and unfair to like make a direct comparison across eras. You know what I mean? Because if you look at any sport, obviously we've evolved athletically so much in the last, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever, that comparing a, you know, a starting shooting guard in the league today to, you know, say maybe 1985, like there really is no comparison. You know, I was watching uh, some highlights from the 85 uh, Celtics Lakers finals the other day. Um, just because the Lakers, I don't think, have been in the finals since the 80s. So <laughs> it was like, I just had to get had to get the feel. Had to get the feels in there a little bit. See what it looked like for us to win. So <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> just ignoring the Kobe years? No, not at all. Those were great too. But I, I I was watching the game, right? And obviously everyone talks about how great the Showtime Lakers were. You know, one of the right. greatest, you know, teams of all time. Same thing goes for the Celtics of the eighties. You know, the I, I think the eighty five, eighty six Celtics teams, you know, is all is always in the discussion for always. you know greatest yeah, yeah. team of all time greatest single season team of all time for sure um so watching these teams go back and forth you know i watched basically the entire game you know from start to finish and the things that really stood out to me about it were one the pace is just dramatically faster it was dramatically faster more possessions time. you know so you have more possessions you've got more shots going up you've got more points um in the 85 86 series i think that their pace for both teams was above 100 um and then comparing that to today we haven't had a pace above 100 for two teams in the finals in at least the past 10 years that's about as far back as i went on nba ref but definitively that's you know the pace has slowed down at least in the playoffs when it comes to modern basketball you know compared to back then but the reason why you know the the reason why scoring isn't so dramatically different is because if you watch you know any game happening in the 80s and the 90s the three point (laughs) is not even a factor you know yeah Every single shot is taken from 15 foot feet and in. That's why you have the banging inside. That's why you had fights. That's why physicality was more of a, you know, was more allowed back then. Like these guys were really like going at it inside in the paint. And the three point shot just wasn't an element. It was a bad shot. Yeah, Yeah, it was perceived a bad shot. I think Steph Curry passed Larry Bird on all time streets made like three years ago. And I remember reading that and I was surprised. And then I looked and Larry Bird averaged like one three one three point made a game or something like that. And it's like, and he's known as like, oh, Larry Legend, the shooter. And it just shows you how different the game was back then. Like teams had a shooter maybe. And like, it's like that guy is just on there and all he can do is shoot. Now you, you have scorers who are shooters. You have defenders who can shoot. You have fours who can shoot. You know what I mean? Like it's just the game has just changed and yeah yeah I, yeah absolutely. i totally agree and and you know watching kareem sort of lumber around the way that he did as a seven foot two center you know you look at him and then you look at joel Embiid, you know handling on the perimeter or carl anthony towns running a fast game. break you know it's incredible seeing how the skill diverse yeah how this has evolved over time so again exactly. i don't think that comparing back and forth 
is really possible. So all I really try to do is compare how you dominate your era. You know, how did you right. dominate? Impact. Impact exactly. at the time. Impact Ex at the time. So that's fair. I, 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 I buy that 100%. I, 100%. But the thing is, when I... Uh, okay, so everyone knows I'm I'm a fan of today's game. I'm I grew up in you know this era. This is the era that I've seen every day. This is what I like to watch. When people compare eras and say like, "Oh, the old players are always better," that's when I start like defending today's players, and then I'll say things like, "Such and such couldn't play in today's game," or "Such and such wouldn't be good if he played today," or stuff things like that. And when I, I mean, I don't see Jerry West couldn't dribble with his left hand. <laughs> So when I do that, I'm not trying to disrespect the legends or, or not pay homage and, you know, respect the, the greats who came before the players today. But when you look at this Warriors team, like I get that nothing gets appreciated in real time, but you can't say that this isn't a great team. <clears throat> One of the, or the greatest team ever, I'll say it. And, and uh, <laughs> now, like people are just hating on them. And then I feel like 30 years from now, we'll look back on that team. And and by then there'll be a better team for sure. It's just the way things go. Like evolution is real. And but I want I wanted to, I wanted you to um, explain a little more when you said uh, a shooting guard back then couldn't play today. Do you feel like Michael Jordan would be would have the same impact in today's game as he had then? Yeah, I think that I think Michael Jordan absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that there are are a handful of players. I uh, probably going back to maybe 1984. Uh, I'm a you know I'm a big Bill Simmons fan. I'm not sure if you guys have read the book of basketball, but he talks about uh, how I like 84 and on. You know that's kind of like equal comparison in terms of you know athleticism, ability, that kind of thing. So I, I think that Jordan, the only issue he might run into is a coach literally just telling him, "Hey, we need you to develop a three point shot." Like. That would be the worst thing that could like possibly happen to Michael Jordan. Uh, so it, it's, I don't know. I, I think that Jordan would absolutely be a dominant player in today's game. It would just look different than it did back then. Okay, I agree. I, I think Jordan's skills, athleticism, overall play, will to win, I think that that would hold up. The difference is the average player, like who he's playing against, would be different. You know what I mean? Like you, like you said yourself, like the average player then isn't even close to the average player now. So like, that's everybody on defense, the help defender, his primary defender. Like back the, then, there the were different defensive rules though. Options. Like he would have to do more on defense today. Like it's the game is so different, and I think that if he was born, like if the same being was born thirty years later, I think he could adapt to that. But I don't think that he would be. Like the great Michael Jordan, like the goat, like like hands down the greatest player of all time. If he played at the same time as Kobe, LeBron, Durant, guys like that, like you know what I mean. Like I think he would be one of them, but I don't think that we would say definitively he's better than all three of them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I definitely hear hear your argument. And would you know Michael be who he is today if he existed? You know, in today's league, probably not. You know, because of a big part of the lore with regard to Jordan is you know the timing of it right like that's yeah. the league started blowing up you know more you had more televised games you had you know just a lot more attention on the league and you combine that with like 
Michael Jordan is the first player, you know, maybe after Magic, I guess, to become a brand. Where yeah, he Michael is the first like just savage scorer like that, like savage wing scorer like that that we've seen. And since then, there's been more. There's you know before that, I mean, like what Dr. J. You, know, you look at his numbers, you're like oh, he yeah. only put up twenty two a game versus Jordan yeah, put up like thirty seven one year. Like like Jordan led his team to championships as the primary scorer, primary ball, like all that. Like, there was never a Michael Jordan before Michael Jordan. I think that if Kobe and Mike, like, switched parents, we'd we'd be saying, like, oh, Michael's great, but he's not as good as Kobe was. Like, I think it would be the exact same thing. Like, it's just one, one came first. So, like, it's like the, the homage is already paid. And I, I know that Michael was a little bit more efficient as a scorer, but, again, I, I attribute that to the generation. I think I mean, Michael was I, a lot I, more efficient as a scorer. And I would rather not attribute to the generation. I want to talk about that because defensive rules change. So the one thing everybody brings up when we compare like the 90s and now is the hand check rule, right? Where back then they say that defense, individual defense was better because you could put your hand on somebody. And anybody that plays basketball knows that makes it a whole lot easier to stay in front of your man. That's but the other thing. the difference as you make it out to be, Pro. I'm just, I'm not even making that point, Dale. Chill. And I think the other I think it does make them a, a huge difference, <laughs> but um, we've never we've never played basketball in a league where we were allowed to hand check. So how come the uh, scoring output, like the average scoring for the league, hasn't changed? Then hasn't gone. We talked. We just talked about this uh, earlier. Sorry. The pace. The pace rose, but people shoot th- more threes. No, no, the pace fell. But like, how come? I'm, I'm no, sorry. I'm saying like, if if hand checking, like the 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 year that hand checking was implemented, and the year immediately after. Wouldn't scoring have gone drastically up if it made that much of a difference? Or was that the year that pace changed drastically too? I don't know the specific rule that hand checking changed, nor do I have the numbers on hand. So I don't want to, I can't really talk to that. But uh, my point was not even about the hand checking rule. That was like an auxiliary point. My, my other point was help defense change drastically. Back in the day, you had to play man to man. Right, you weren't allowed to sag off your player for a lot of time. You had to double team, or you had to stay on your man, and that just made it kind of easier. I feel like to play one on one, you know, talk, get past your man and get an open shot. I feel like it's harder nowadays to do that. But another knock that people have on Michael Jordan is his passing ability. If they they try to compare him against LeBron and say LeBron's a significantly better passer, Michael, that was like one of his deficiencies, right? I feel like that yeah. just because he could get his shot whenever he wanted to. And he's not because he wasn't hitting Scotty or wasn't hitting people for open LeBron shots. Can't get a shot whenever he wants. I, I don't. I don't think it's on the same level. Personally, I think if you want to talk about scoring, you could talk about. I think Durant is a better scorer, and Michael are comparable. And I don't. I think LeBron's a level below them too. So if LeBron's putting up the same amount of points and on less shots, like a higher uh, effective percentage, how can you say that he's not that level of a scorer? Based on what? What What, what do you mean? I don't. I, I, I don't like, have the numbers in front of me, but I don't, I don't recall any I'm years like, where... Like LeBron's career average and Durant's are com- comparable, and LeBron has a higher effective field goal percentage. So oh, you're I'll... talking about Durant. I thought you were talking about Michael. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I don't know. In my head, when I when I watch Durant play and when I watch uh, LeBron play, it's kind of clear to me that Durant's a better score. I don't think you would even argue that, so I don't know why you're trying well, to. I'm, I'm asking you what is it based on? Because I'm, it's, I'm it's, kind of, it's kind of the eye test. You know, It's kind of the fact that Durant, if you wanted to pull up a three in anybody's face, he can because he's a seven-foot knockdown shooter, and LeBron's not. LeBron's just an athletic, he's a savage, but LeBron, LeBron, I feel like LeBron's scoring has opened up a whole lot due to his ability to pass. You know, like you, you can't just focus on 
LeBron because when LeBron's on the court, everybody else gets so much better versus Durant. I don't think that's as much the case. But I, just from a pure scoring ability, if I need if I need one player to get a basket, I'm choosing Durant 100% of the time, and I'm not thinking about it twice. You know what I mean? Like I don't think I don't, just to be clear, I do not think Durant's a better basketball player. I would not take Durant over LeBron, but I think Durant is a better offensive player, a better scorer. And my my point yeah. was, not I'm sorry, not offensive player. Sorry, better scorer specifically. <laughs> You know, you know something that I that I thought was actually kind of interesting since we were talking about like the the evolution of the game. You know how bigs essentially now every four you know every four in the league can or should be able to shoot a three. You know, yeah. almost half the league in terms of the five is capable of shooting a threes, and that's just the way that the game continues to trend. So I think that when you combine the fact that now your traditional bigs, your fours and fives, your rim protectors are out at the perimeter, you know, guarding their, you know, opposing player, I think that it opens up the floor a lot more, which is why you get less contention at the rim. And then when you combine that with the fact that illegal defenses exist today and they didn't, you know, previously, so you could have... Doesn't that make them better? What's that? Doesn't that make the defenses better, that you're allowed to get creative? Well, no, I'm not saying that it doesn't make the game better. I'm just saying that scoring. Saying, wouldn't, wouldn't it be easier to score on a defense that's predictable? No, 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 no. Let, let me I don't think that is point. predictable. I don't think it's easy. So what I'm saying is, again, illegal defenses are now basically you cannot have somebody that is seven feet tall camping directly underneath the basket. That used to be something that you could do. So right now in the league, when you have a LeBron James or whoever, you know, cutting to the basket, getting to the basket off of a spread offense, pick and roll, he has a beeline to the cup. And then you have a five who's lumbering to get from, you know, the three point line to protect the rim. It's just not the same as before when you had a seven foot one guy who had a lot more ability to knock you on your ass in the nineties and the eighties and could just stand next to the basket and wait for you. It no, made the, it, it made the game more physical. It didn't make it, it didn't make the game better. It didn't make the game worse, but it made the game more physical. It made it more difficult to score at the rim. So I think that that's something that we sort of have to take into consideration when comparing, no. you know, across eras. Yeah. The, okay. So there was no defensive three seconds rule, but like yeah. the center had to stay near the offensive center. So he couldn't just camp in the middle of the lane. Right, but his point the is re- now no, we have stretch fours they, and stretch let fives. Finish, let me finish. Let me finish. The reason that they had to implement the defensive three seconds rule is because they took away the illegal defense rule. You know what I mean? Like it was never an issue when the defensive center had to be within arm's length of the offensive center. Well, my argument there is is just yeah, that didn't four, used to have to guard a four or five at the perimeter. You know right, I mean? but but my point is, if if the big guy is just in there camping, that's an easy assist, right? Is it not? How so? For a layup. Like, I, no, I, like I, I, I can't agree with that. I'm getting this backwards. It's a harder it's a harder layup if the big man is camping in the lane. Because the big man's in the lane, like you, you can you can pass it out to the four who's on the corner for some reason, but Dennis Rodman can't shoot, so like that's not what would happen. Like the, there's just more bodies in the middle of the floor. Yeah. Now like, you have two players off and and two defenders. It's just, it's just more contested in the lane, which is why I think three point three pointer shooters like develop that way. Like I don't think like people just got better at three pointers. I think I mean they did because they shot more and it's like 
as we grow up, as we get older, like you said, we evolve as players. But I think it was a lot to do with the fact that people play more help defense and therefore shooters are more open. It, it's it's less one on one oriented now and more team oriented than back then because of yeah, these, I, because of these rules. Yeah, so, I see, so you I, think that defenses were better back then? I didn't. I'm saying it's harder to I'm score asking, in certain situations and it's easier to score in other situations. I'm asking you, do you think defenses are better now? I'm, I'm explaining that it's not that simple. That's a stupid question. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm saying question. it's easier to score. It's it's harder to score in the paint, and it's easier to score three. So I think a team that is really good now will score will be a better offensive team than a team back then because three points is worth more than two points. But as far as individual defense goes, if we're, playing, if we're comparing one player to another, whether defense as a team defense was better or worse is like team a, defenses are a thing, bro. Like I I understand that, but they are completely different now than they were back then. We're right, we're and they're about. better now. That that's they're, the whole reason that they changed the rule. <laughs> sure, but we're not. We're we're trying to take take they away the, the, the context. Because... We're trying to take away the context of the players and compare the players against each other, right? So when we're talking about bringing Michael Jordan to this era, I'm saying I think he would be a better scorer because he has. Like it's easy for what he's good at is easier now than it was back then. That that's my that's my whole point. So I think he I don't I don't know if he would be a better player. I don't know if the style I mean I still think he would be dominant. I still think he would be a top two player in the league. And I think you can argue with him with LeBron, and I'm not sure who I would take. But I think with certain players like him, the nineties and now are suited for both. You know, DeMar DeRozan yeah. is, is having a great year, and he's basically a shitty version of Jordan. Okay, I want to I want to ask I want to ask you guys something. Offensively, what could Michael Jordan do better than James Harden? Uh, I mean, he shoots a lot better. I think he shoots a similar free throw percentage. He gets. Uh, he he's put a up, better shooter than James Harden. That's what you just said. Mid range, yes. Mid range, yes. Yes, I'd say me. (laughs) Sorry, uh, me personally, I'd say that he was, you know, a better post player. Uh, I think Jordan basically, you know, the way that the triangle works is you dump it down to somebody on the low block. And that's, you know, how Jordan got a lot of his buckets was 15 feet in just sort of dump downs in the low block out of floppy sets or out of the triangle and, you know, letting him kind of just ISO and go to work. Obviously, that wouldn't really work in today's game, but, you know, that's how he got his points. And I think that him in that arena, like, Harden, you know, isn't as good of a post player. I don't think Harden is as good of a mid-range shooter. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, where they added percentage-wise in terms of free throws, but that's kind of a wash. Jordan's at, like, uh, 83 or something career. Harden's probably, like, 87, 88. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Harden's a significantly better three-point shooter. I think Harden is, uh, you know, the better passer. Um, at the rim, I'd say that Jordan is better. Uh, Harden finishes at the, you know, at the rim incredibly well. Is one of the strongest guys in the league, and you know, has that knack for getting to the free throw line. But uh, again, I think that if Jordan did, did exist in today's league, he would be able to do just the same things. So we got post game. And mid range. <laughs> was Jordan a better mid range shooter than Harden? I mean, I can't say for sure because I don't have the numbers, and I don't think they tracked uh, like mid range percentages back then. But from what, so here, so let me let me state my bias. I've never seen a bad Jordan game, you know, because I didn't grow up when Jordan. They played. don't show them. 
I, I, I'm getting there, Dale. I, I've never seen a bad <laughs> Jordan game because I grew up, like, I was born in 91. So, like, by the time I started, I was old enough to, like, watch Jordan play. He was already on the Wizards, you know. So I'm biased in the sense that every game that I've seen of Jordan is, like, a dominant 40-point, a 30-point game. And I, I used to watch a lot of his, his classics, but they don't show the classics of the games where he just had a regular 25-and-six game or whatever. So I'm biased in that sense. But from the games that I did watch, which is probably more than the average person my age, his mid-range is one of the most, like, overlooked aspects of his game. His mid-range and his post-range. Everybody knows he was hyper-athletic and he can fly and he, he can dunk and everything like that, but they think of him as only a slasher. But he had a very well-rounded game. Like, nobody's scoring 37 points a game on just layups. It's, just, <laughs> it's, not, it's not how that works on 48%. Like, he had a well-rounded game. So he didn't shoot a lot of threes. He didn't take a lot of threes. But he's not, he wasn't, like, a terrible three-point shooter. His career, like, what, like 33% or something like that. He wasn't a terrible yeah, shooter. At the time, wasn't shooter. that far below league average. And, and he's, had, he's, had, he's had seasons where he shot higher than that, and he's had a lot of seasons where he shot lower than that. But my point is, he, 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 never, he wasn't, like, weak in any aspect of the game. I mean, compared to now, he would be, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't want Jordan shooting a three, right? But my point is, back, back then, he wasn't, like, super weak, and he showed that he could maybe shoot it if he had, if he had to. So my, my point is, he's not just, like, an athlete that just finishes at the rim. He's, that's not all he did. He, he could score in a, in a number of ways. He's Kobe. Like, <laughs> he's Kobe, but better. So LeBron's field goal percentage, uh, three-point percentage, ineffective field goal percentage are all higher career. Jordan's um I, I I just don't see it like like I, I I see impact I see six rings I see all that but in terms of basketball player like starting a team for you know a playoff run like skills I I think that there are a lot of guys who you could you could make the argument for against Jordan I really do and and can I, you name some of these guys know, Durant, LeBron. Okay, I can agree with those uh, two. Off, offensive Harden. Like, well, I don't think that's I, we're talking full players, not like one side of the ball. But I think Durant and Harden. I think Durant and LeBron are legitimate arguments. I don't think I would go Kobe. further than that. I wouldn't put Kobe in that conversation. I would take Jordan over Kobe in a second. I, I would think about Durant and I would think about LeBron, but I don't think I'll put Kobe in that conversation. I'm a Laker fan my whole life, and I've accepted it myself. I've re- I've resigned to that fact. Kobe, Kobe is, you know, he's Jordan 1B, but he's not the 1A version, you know? I, I hear you, but I, I'm saying that I think that all of, all of these stats wouldn't be exactly the same. Like, everything that you're basing this off of wouldn't be the same if they all played at the same time. No, I def- definitely wouldn't. Definitely wouldn't. So we have to use some sort of judgment. Which is where, which is why we can have like you can completely disagree, and I can completely agree. We can't really prove it, right? Like I, I, I the reason I, I'm not saying I would take Kobe over Jordan. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that it's a conversation. Kobe's a better passer, better playmaker than Jordan. Kobe's a very underrated passer. He now, now I think. What, what do you think Kobe's assist per game career was versus Jordan's assist per game? I know that's not like the end all be all, but I'm just curious as the uh, perception. I'd say they're both around five, but uh, you you know, like like Justin said, there's more possessions back then. So that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have the assists per possessions in front of me. But Jordan was what career 
uh, five point five. Yeah, Jordan was five point three. I think Kobe was five point four point seven. So yeah, right. it's comparable. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I, I, th- I think Kobe's a, a better playmaker from the eye test, or you know, like, and also Kobe wasn't early in his career. He wasn't as as prominent in the offense. Sure, yeah. As, this as is a assist per game, though. not assist per like minute. So his per possession. game, his per game career averages would be lower. He also, yeah, and he also had a longer career, so his like prime, quote unquote, prime right, yeah, is, he, had a, a, he had the back, back and the right. front. It's shorter. I think Jordan yeah. played what like thirteen seasons versus Kobe's like nineteen or something. Twenty, yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay. Do you guys think that Michael Jordan could win six titles if he came into the league at the same time as LeBron? No. No. Absolutely yeah. not. 0% chance. <laughs> so for that reason, I don't like when people compare just compare LeBron's 3 rings to Michael's 6. I agree. I I can agree with that. Like, the, like I think LeBron would have had 6 in that time too. I think yeah. I could agree with yeah. that too. Yeah, I think that that's a really fair argument and I think that, you know, something that like we always try that people always want to get wrapped up in is the ring total. You know what I mean? But, like, if you look back at anybody that played in the 60s and the 70s, you know, your your dominant Celtic franchise teams, you know, <laughs> Sam Jones has 10 championship rings. Sam Jones, I guarantee if I saw him on the street today, I wouldn't know what the guy looks like. You know what I mean? So You could probably beat him one-on-one. No. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Again, I'm just another guy with no left, right? Exactly. So, <laughs> so, so, so to me, any time that somebody brings out the ring argument, like, all I care about, like, did you get one? You know, were you good enough to be the best player on the team that won a championship? Like, I think that that really, really matters. And, you know, Dale, to your point with Jordan six in the 90s compared to LeBron's three today, to me, it's like, I know that it's not technically equal, but LeBron's been to the finals constantly ever yeah. since he came into the league. Row, yeah. So it's, it's like, we're t- if we're considering you know, like a gold, a silver, and a bronze medal for, the, you know, the finals winner, the runner-up, and then whoever else in the conference finals. Like, if we're doing it that way, like, LeBron probably actually has more medals. Like, Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. No. And, and to Michael's credit, dominating the league over a course of a decade is – is outstanding. Like you can't take anything away from that. I'm not trying to take anything away from six rings because the only thing he could do at that time is play at that time. You know, like you can't hold that against him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Plus, taking into consideration the retirements, you know, both times. There's, right. There's there were, so yeah. many things in Jordan's career that are just like so unique that it's almost impossible to make that direct parallel because LeBron has just been a machine who has not right. stopped going ever since. A one when he played against Sacramento in 03. This is year what? Like and then 15? you can always point to guys who've had a season where they've elevated into that level. Like Steph Curry. Last year, people were comparing Steph Curry to LeBron and Michael. Like, you know, or, or Durant in his MVP year. Like, Durant's always been, like, you know, the second best guy in the league. You know, like, but it's never really, he's never eclipsed LeBron at, at, at no point. But he's had seasons where he's made it close. You know, Harden and Westbrook, look at what they're doing this year. You know, people like to compare 
Kawhi, I don't. But like, uh, you know, but the fact that these two have done it for so long, they've been the king of the league for so long. I think that you, 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 Kobe, 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 Matt. I think I think it goes like uh, Magic, Jordan, Kobe, LeBron. Right, right. Yeah, Yeah. players. Yeah. So I think that you have to like respect longevity in that sense and that's one thing that michael definitely has and that's that eliminates some other guys out of the conversation but i don't think it eliminates lebron just look at what lebron does to the league like i I agree look at lebron look at the look on lebron's opponent's faces (laughs) i'm serious i'm very serious like looking at the raptors in game four is just like what do we do with this guy yeah i i really love that that point about you know, dominating your own era and like, who is that guy in that decade? You know what I mean? Because if you look at the 90s and you look at who was, you know, in the league in the 90s, you've got Hakeem, you've got Shaq, you've got Patrick Ewing, you've got, you know, Hall of Fame players and nobody thinks of the 90s and doesn't think of Michael Jordan as that guy. You can't, right. It's it's MJ. For for the 2000s and you've got Duncan and you've got, you know, Wade and you've got a sure. mil- like McGrady and Iverson and a million right. guys. And like I think even that, Wade, like, Wade is another guy who who you could say like for a season or for a playoff run he put himself into that category. But like the longevity he doesn't have it. Yeah, I mean, like, I remember like LeBron thousands, early two thousands. How many arguments I got into over Kobe versus Vince Carter versus Tracy McGrady? You know, yeah. and like versus Ray Allen into the mix, and right? Iverson. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then on the on the flip side, you got like okay, KG or or like Chris uh, Webber, like Chris Webber, or Dirk Nowitzki, or like Rasheed Wallace, Rasheed Wallace right? Yep. Get like real angsty with it, you know. <laughs> Like those were the arguments that we all used to have, but now, like looking back, if you really look at it, there's always that's those kind one that decade. And now, t- like the 2010s, this is 110 percent LeBron. Like, fuck out of here with the two, you know, Steph Curry MVPs. Like, this is LeBron's decade. All right, and all right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you, can still, you can still using that word in the same sentence with Steph Curry. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bad boy. Don't forget. <laughs> oh no! Not to knock Steph. Not to knock Steph. I'm just he's, saying he's that, like, with, be with the decade around. argument, I like that there are definitive players in certain, you know, decades, and we're getting to experience one of those guys in LeBron. Here's the thing, though. After yeah. after Jordan and before LeBron, like there was a few years, like you said, it was Kobe's year. But I feel like I, I, I honestly probably wouldn't even give it to Kobe if I'm being honest. Shaq, maybe. It is. I, it, it's tough. That 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 little area is a little bit tougher. Yeah, it's it's really hard to say, and I I don't definitively think that there is a guy who you can say like absolutely because the argument would probably be Shaq, Kobe, or Duncan, and I don't think that any one of those three guys. You have to say Kobe was like okay, so the yeah he only has one MVP like league MVP, but let's be real, he was the best player in the league since Shaq left till when LeBron till LeBron's like third or fourth year, maybe his <laughs> first or second Miami year. That's when when he st- he passed Kobe, I would say. So like yeah, 2009, 2008, 2009. Uh 10-11 I was thinking. Okay. Like where where you say he he's better than Kobe now. Yeah. Like, I, I, and and in history you have to put LeBron above Kobe, but I'm saying that people like okay, so Dirk's MVP, did he deserve it? Yes. <laughs> 
But like the same way that <laughs> the same way that Rose won an MVP, but like nobody would ever argue that he was better than LeBron. I felt like that with the Nash and and Dirk MVPs for Kobe. Yeah, I yeah. don't think he deserved the Steve Nash MVP at all. Like, I said the first time, not the second time. The second time was the one but, where like Sean Marion had like a better better effect on their team than he did, right? Like, and they gave it, anyway. Yeah. Sorry, I, mean, I don't want to get into that. I loved I loved Derrick Rose. Like he was my favorite player that year. And I get that it's, it's kind of like the same argument we made on episode three, where he had a better record than LeBron's team with much less help. That was LeBron's first Miami year. And that was Rose where he was clearly the go-to guy on Chicago. Yeah. And like hyper athlete. Yeah. You know, they, like Joe Kino was their second best player <laughs> and like, and they had a better record, but like, so same thing with like James Harden versus LeBron this year. But you know, LeBron, so I could understand why they gave Rose that MVP, but he was never better than LeBron. And and that's how I feel about Nash, Dirk, and Kobe. I, I, I think I can see that point. I think that's a good point. It's just tough for me because I'm, I'm literally just thinking Shaq versus Kobe, but you got to remember Shaq came into the league like five, six years before Kobe and yeah, was Shaq, the immediate. Shaq's? timeline yeah like Shaq is just in like a weird time he's like in both in both of those eras that we think of both the Jordan years and the Kobe years and then like the when Kobe started being the best player Shaq was like on the on the out you know and and Shaq's size you know it's hard to have a to be that big and have a long prime yeah but his prime was like no other like prime Shaq you know it's just Shaq yeah it it, it doesn't make any like I don't. I don't right, understand yeah. how. He, I mean, I do. Just look at him. Like, how do you that yeah. big and quick? Yeah, I think that people hesitate to to call like the best player the goat or whatever. Like people will say LeBron, Kobe, Jordan. Like it, it's easy to to point at wings and people hesitate for big guys because we don't see them with the ball as much. We don't see them showing as much ball skills. It's usually yeah. more especially nowadays. Dunk. Right. So, do you guys think that there will ever be a big that can get into the conversation? Do you think that like Davis or Towns or Cousins or someone like that could ever get into that conversation? Embiid, no. Um, I, I I won't say that it can't happen, but I don't see it happening like with this group of players, like those players that you named. I don't see them ever having a larger impact than Westbrook or Harden or Demar Derozan, even maybe. You know, like if Demar Derozan gets better. I just don't I don't see it right now, but I don't like when people say I think I think you both disagree with the disagree with me on this. But I don't like when people say like the era of the big man is dead. I don't think that's true. I think we just haven't had a great a great like post playing big man, like traditional big man in a very long time. Like I don't think you can put I'm just giving an example. Like Zach Randolph is a pretty good post playing offensive player right and he doesn't have like that much of an outside shot he plays pretty traditionally and he doesn't get a lot of minutes he doesn't get a lot of tick because of that but I don't think we can put that in the same lane as like a Carl Malone or a Patrick Ewing or a David Robinson I feel like we just haven't seen too many players like that recently and that's why it's it's going away from that I don't think it's because that it can't work you know what I mean I disagree yeah you you called it and I disagree well yeah I I already know (laughs) I knew that Go ahead. Yeah. I think ev- good evidence of that being uh, Dwight Howard. Like good evidence of, of the, the league changing. Because, you know, does, does Dwight, is Dwight Howard still strong? Yes. Like is Dwight Howard still big? Yes. Like, but like how come his impact is, isn't even a fraction of what it used to be? Like the game's changed. Now, now 
you know, some people would say like maybe he doesn't have the passion to work on his game in the offseason. He hasn't really gotten better or, or gotten any other skills. True. But like, you know, he's still big and strong and can jump and can dunk. Like he, he's it's just the game's different like that. I don't think that like I, I think that if David Robinson played today, it wouldn't be like he wouldn't have the same impact because that's not the way that teams are going to be run. Like we we found more efficient ways to run teams and, and gear towards the three point shot and stretching the floor and stretch fours and all that. And uh, so I, I don't think it's the the lack of talent. Like when you look at towns, you can't you can't find a, a, a lack of talent anywhere on his body. Like, yeah, he's he's a tough example because he's so young and his team still hasn't won yet. You, yeah. you know, same, same with like Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis isn't super young, but like his team hasn't won yet. So it's tough to put those guys in my in my head at least. And I know this is like a biased opinion, but it's tough for me to put those guys in the same level as like established like Hakeem Olajuwon and Carmelo uh, and players who've been con- consistently getting to the playoffs and winning. Like no big man, like number one on a team, has even gotten to the playoffs. Like has, has had success in the playoffs, and I don't know how long. Since Dirk, I guess. Dwight, well, Dwight, yeah, Dirk's. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, championship year, twenty eleven. Yeah, I mean, but like but, even that—that's like, like the rarity. I, I do that's think it's not like the way that teams are are geared and like. I, I don't think that I think it's more so of the league changing than just like this is just a bad crop of big guys. I refuse to believe oh. that. When you like yeah. the overall skill of big guys, Prill, we grew up watching the Sixers. And with Theo Ratliff and Dikembe Mutombo, Matt look Geiger. at Embiid compared to them in terms of ball skills. No, 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 I agree. And Embiid's weird because he's played basketball for like what two years now, so I don't understand how he came to be this good. And I do agree that big guys play completely differently, and this is good. It's a good thing. I don't want to say that um, it's not valuable or even more valuable, but he, the way that I look at it is. Back in the day, like out of the triangle, right? We talked about the triangle a little bit. It was you try to get Shaq in an ISO situation and you let him just go to work. That's not even like a thought anymore. And I think it's because no teams have a back to the basket player like Shaq or Hakeem or the way that it used to, there used to be a lot of those guys. I think there isn't a large talent pool for back to the back basket players. Maybe that's because players double down more i'm not sure exactly why but i don't think the talent is comparable with that specific skill set so I, when, I, when i say big when i say big men i don't i'm not trying to say that big men now are like worse than big men back then i'm just saying the skill set is so different that we shouldn't even be talking about them as the same offensive position you know what i mean like so so yeah. when you say there there was just a lot more of them back then because that's the only way that like, people played back then right but it sounds like we're talking about six people it, over the course of 30 years that's not a lot i okay kareem hakeem wilt Shaq, uh ewing and robinson that's six people i feel like if i had a list in front of if you, if you had a list of the top uh 50 players from the 90s about 30 of them will be big men i would guess like i don't have the charles barkley uh there's there's more that we're not thinking of right now i just don't have them in front of me I mean, if you, if you want to rattle off, you know, like 90s centers in terms of like playoff teams, you know, a lot of teams, you know, got it done without a traditional big who could score like you, you know, you had Luke Longley and Bill, Bill Cartwright. But, you know, you, at the same time, 
you know, we always talk about Pat Ewing and, and Robinson and everybody like that, but a little bit up here and you got Moses Malone as part of the conversation. You know, you, you've, you've got, you've got a, a decent amount of guys, you know, Alonzo Mourning is in the mix. So I do feel like they're, you know, we're, we're more talented guys at the time, but, you know, Dale, getting back to your point in terms of could a big in the future, you know, be in consideration for that GOAT, you know, title, I feel like if I'm trying to like predict the future of the league, right? Like where is basketball going? Like where's the NBA going? Like I feel that we're just shifting towards positionless basketball. Yes. You know, finally. At like the courts, me means a seven foot one point guard Giannis who can shoot three or... and post up, but also protect the rim. Like that guy is going to exist one day. You know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of LeBron right now. Like, he's the first step. <laughs> yeah, so so that's a good segue into our final topic of the night. So I've been quoted saying every 10 years ago or so, the league changes. And you can look at the Warriors, and they're kind of ahead, ahead of their time with this. Like, their offensive system is predicated around slip screens, back cuts, make the defender make a decision, hit the shooters when they're open kind of thing. Like, pick your poison kind of offense. And I, I see more and more teams going to that, but it's, you know, a little late because the Warriors have been doing it for years now. Where do you guys see the league going in the future? Hmm. So Creole, yeah, you first. Yeah, so Justin brought <laughs> up the point about positionless basketball, and I do think that is kind of going to be the way it goes. It kind of already is that way. So the, the, free, the fact that we consider – to have five point, like one, uh, one point guard, one shooting guard, one small forward, one power forward, and one center on the court right now is completely stupid. It's ridiculous. Uh, Dale brings up a good point that uh, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum play the same position. And why is C.J. McCollum called a shooting guard? Like there, there are tons of examples of this where these players just don't fit into the traditional roles that we set in like the 50s like it doesn't make any sense anymore and eventually we're already starting to get away from that in concept like uh we'll have not point guards bringing the ball up the court and we'll have carl anthony towns taking somebody off the dribble and we already kind of have these players shifting out of what they are traditionally quote-unquote supposed to be doing and i think that's just going to grow because as players are watching these guys they're not going to be limited to thinking okay I'm a tall, I have to learn how to do this and this and this. They're just going to want to play basketball. It's already been proven that Blake Griffin can do most of the things that somebody smaller than him can do. You don't have, there's not that limit, that self-imposed limit as far as like developing skill is going to go. And I think it's just going to blow this whole thing wide open. How, yeah, like you can't say that Draymond Green and Carl Malone play the same position, but like they're completely different. Yeah. So I I agree with you there where, where I think the league can change. And, and this is, you know, pure speculation, obviously. I I think that the power forward is going to get replaced by a point guard. So I think teams are going to go Just two small. point guards. Yeah, go smaller. Uh, two wings, one bigger than the other. So shooting guard, small forward, and then center. You're still going to need the rim protector, the the five who can, you know, hit the mid-range post-up, putbacks, and things like that. Like, the, I don't think the five is ever going to leave the game, but – I think that the four is is going to get replaced by a point guard eventually. Like I think this Damon CJ thing, while it may not be working in Portland because they don't have anything else around them, but I think they're on to something with that because it opens up your offense to a lot of things. Like kind of like how the Warriors can have 
if they have like Steph, Iguodala, and Draymond on the court at the same time, they they can run the offense through either of those three guys and have three like great playmakers, you know, on the court. Like I think that having um, two point guards would would open up the possibilities on offense. So another question that I have going into this season, if somebody came to you and said, "Hey, you bet." a dollar that either the Warriors or the Cavs would win the finals and I'll give you 50 cents. I think everybody in the world would take that bet, like even for 50 cents on a dollar. So because it's like, you know, the league is so top heavy with those two teams, especially. Yeah. So would, do you guys think that it would be better for the league if they did a, a 2K style fantasy draft where all 30 of the teams in theory would have a chance at winning, like where it's like, if you have the best play, say, say if team team one gets LeBron, their next pick is pick sixty. So like, there's that snake draft kind of balance, so that all thirty teams could have a legitimate shot. Do you think that that would be better for the league or this Cavs Warriors rivalry? I personally would love to do the snake draft, but the problem with that is like you don't want to take away. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, you don't want to like, take away like contracts. autonomy from a player like wanting to play somewhere. You know, like yeah, there's still there's, people. There's contracts. There's there's all families, sorts of stuff. There's people but, houses. Yeah, it's not, yeah. Never but as far as like, uh, like what would be more fun to watch? I feel like I personally would like it more if the teams were more even because like I don't even bother to watch a lot of the Warriors games. I know it's going to happen. You know what I mean? And it's the playoffs. Like I don't think that should that should be the case. It should. That's why I think I feel like March Madness is more fun to watch than the NBA uh, playoffs in general because, like, you don't know if your team is going to get upset. Like, and you don't even know who's on a team and people still watch it. Like, that's the, I think that's the, a major reason why because each game like, matters. And in the playoffs now, we don't get the sense that it matters. We talked about, like, how we weren't even worried the Cavs were going to lose a game until the finals, you know? I, I feel like if the teams were more evenly spread out in some sort of however it could be done, I think they should, the league should try to do that. Yeah, yeah. I think that the league has tried to make a lot of moves, you know, with regard to, you know, regulation and free agency and collective bargaining, collective bargaining agreements. Uh, you know, they've tried to put a lot of, you know, things in play so that a small market team can compete with the big market team. But, you know, just like you guys both said, you know, the player autonomy comes into play and, you know, players are going to, at the end of the day, be able to make their own decisions and decide where they're going to go. And sometimes they're going to want to go somewhere that they have a chance to win a title, Unless you know, because that's kind of what we what we demand out of players if they're ever going to be in that greatest of all time conversation we already mentioned it earlier that you know rings matter they really do and especially if you don't have any so you know as i'm not sure if it's as fans or as you know the media or or what it might be but we've almost pushed players and teams into this direction by demanding that like look you're not going to be even a part of the conversation unless you win this ring. So that's why like Kevin Durant maybe doesn't feel so bad about making the decision to go to a team that just won 73 games and beat him in the playoffs. Cause he knows, you know, 10, 15 years from now, he's not going to be Carl Malone and Charles Barkley. 
you know, because right. you don't I, ever take those guys into consideration of greatest power forward of all time. When you look at Carl Malone, we sort sort of now hand that distinction off to Barkley. Duncan, you know, right? And and Barkley and Malone, you look at their stats; those guys were fucking; they, those guys were killers. Pilots, yeah. excuse my language, but those no, guys absolute studs. And we right. never even bring them into the you know into the picture. John Stockton too. John Stockton is one of the five greatest point guards of all time, and we never even talk about the guy just because he doesn't have a ring. So I feel like we've kind of forced this shift towards super teams, top heavy teams in terms of players having to do that. And you know, at the end of the day, like I, I can't even really blame them. You know? Yeah, I never blame a player let's, for let's making that decision. On... Go ahead. Sorry. Let's touch on that John Stockton being a top five point <laughs> guard of all time. Like I, I, I get it. I, I this, the uh, career stats are there, but so what if what if I would argue with you, Justin, that there are four point guards in the league right now better than him, and then Magic Johnson to etch out my five. Not even so. So even that's me conceding Jason Kidd and and Steve Nash. So I'll say Chris Paul, Westbrook, Harden, playing offensive point guard. Curry and Magic Johnson over Stockton. Uh, I wouldn't put Russ ahead of Stockton just yet. I don't think that he's had the career for it. Uh, I wouldn't put Russ ahead of Stockton yet. Um, Harden. I, in, terms, in terms of Steph, I think Steph is going to have uh, by the time. Well, he's already got two MVPs, so you know I, I would put Steph ahead of Stockton. Uh, Chris Paul. That that's a tough one, honestly. I. Uh, it's probably Paul over Stockton, so that would give two plus Magic is three, and then Stockton four. So I wouldn't put Russ over Isaiah too. I forgot about Isaiah, the old Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I would put Stockton over Isaiah. Okay. So you would take Stockton over Westbrook, Harden, and Isaiah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and and again, this is you know me bringing in, into consideration my. You know, trying not to compare directly across eras because if we're playing, you know, pick and pick up right now and we're playing the Monstars, like I'm taking Russ and I'm taking Hart. Like, yeah, yeah. So I have no doubts, but. Right. I got you. Uh, so off, off of the John Stockton point for a second. Sorry, I got sidetracked. I, I agree with you, Justin, on the the way that we put, like, we equate having a ring to being legitimate as a player. There are so many other factors into like uh, into winning a ring. It's not just how good how great of a player you are and how clutch you are at that time. For example, totally. for example, we were we were considering when 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 we were talking about the MJ conversation, Prill, you you took Kobe out and you had Durant in. Yeah. Durant has zero rings. Kobe has five. I know. And I think most people that are listening to this show right now think I'm like so stupid for saying that because specifically because of that fact. But like, I'm not trying to take anything away from Kobe. He's amazing. But I, Kevin Durant is a bad boy. Kevin Durant's a bad boy. I think if you put Kobe on any Durant, any team that Kobe, I'm sorry, if you put Durant on any team that Bryant won a ring on, Durant's winning, winning that ring too. There's not much that Kobe can do better than Durant, if anything. Maybe defensive. Uh, I, I I can see a few things. Let me take that back. I take that I, back. But yeah, I do think my my I point say defense, is defense, playmaking, and, and 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 you can't like the only person maybe Russ now who whose killer instinct you can compare to Kobe's is Michael. Yeah, I I definitely give like, both of them and, that. And that is important. Like you can just look at some of these <laughs> I call them Mamba moments, and just some just ridiculous stuff that you can't 
Like it's like yeah, if you're looking on basketball references, like yeah, it was two points or yeah, it was three points. But the eye test is just like that's just ridiculous, and it's not even luck because he did stuff like that all the time. He's the best bad shot maker of all time, plain and simple. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No other way to say it. I feel like you can get in Kobe's head though. All you got to do is just have Kobe think you don't respect his game, and he's shooting every play. And that's not necessarily yeah, what's that, great for the that team. Can be really bad for you. Like that, I know it can be, be really but like I don't think it always was. You know what I mean? Like so, so half the time, like half the time, he'll drop 40, 50 on you, and you'll look stupid. But the other time, he'll shoot thirty shots and have twenty-one points. You know, like it went both ways with Kobe, which I feel like you can't. That doesn't really happen to a lot of other players. Like that doesn't happen to LeBron. That doesn't happen to Durant. And I think that is the killer instinct, like that you're that you're talking about. Yeah, it it can, it, 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 it kind of goes both ways. It just I, it just that there's such, he's such a savage. He just wants to win so much more than I feel like most players. That that's like it, you're like you said that matters. That's why he got five championships. You know, yes. it's, I don't think there's ever been a player as technically sound as Kobe. But yeah. Go ahead, Justin. Yeah, you know it's something that I've always found interesting when I watch you know because again I'm I'm a diehard Laker fan, so I watched Kobe my entire life, and you know I love you know, watching LeBron and Durant and everybody that's playing today. But something that I've, I've always found interesting when I'm watching, you know, tape of Kobe or thinking back to when I used to watch him is that no points for Kobe ever looked like they really came that easy. You know what I mean? And when you compare it to Durant rising up from 30 feet out at the top of the key, like that looks easy. Look, you know, LeBron getting to the basket or, you know, finishing in transition, like, it looks easy. So something that, like, when you're making that comparison of, you know, Kobe, Durant, or LeBron, I, like, I feel like that matters. And I feel like that actually, you know, takes into consideration maybe some of those inconsistencies is because when Kobe was putting up 40, 50, or 60 points in a game, I, I want to make the argument that those points, a lot of times, didn't come as easily for you know, compared to other guys who maybe are just better basketball players, I think, I think you could say that. I think this is a fair way of putting it. LeBron and Durant are better basketball players, but going into a fourth quarter, I, of all three of them are sitting there, I think I'm gonna go with Kobe. To be honest, like right. I, now, the argument would be that if Kobe was on your team the entire game, you wouldn't be in the same position going into the fourth quarter. And I can see that that's fair. But I'm saying all thing, all other things equal, going into the fourth quarter, I'm going with Kobe. Like all right. I, I can make no argument against you there. Yeah, and 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 another thing, Kobe's floor is a lot lower. But I think his ceiling may be the highest. Like a Kobe explosion is like nothing. Like a Curry, Steph Curry and Kobe, I feel like have the best explosions that I've ever seen. That's a, that's a good oh, one. Out, out of of all time, like the players you don't want to go on a hot streak. Yeah, like right now it's like it's Kobe like Kobe explosion is real. it's it's Clay Thompson. Honestly, he's at the top of the list for me because he'll just randomly drop sixty points, whatever. And then like right underneath it is Kobe and Steph. Yeah. Yeah, like Le- LeBron, he's he's like in LeBron mode all game, but it's not like it doesn't stand out to the eye as, oh my god, like what can we do with this guy? It's just like 
oh shit, we got swept. Like, <laughs> you know, like, which, it, you know, that count, like, that's fair. But I'm saying, like, in terms of just like where there's one half, like the second half of a game where it's just like we couldn't do anything with this guy. He scored 55 points and a half, which Kobe's done before. Like, what, you know, I, I'm going with Kobe and Steph. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of like the firepower a guy can put out, like it's it's hard to to put a whole lot of guys ahead of someone like Kobe. So the other thing about players nowadays, uh, as opposed to back in the day, I feel like we have more just freak athletes nowadays. Like when you look at like LeBron James, for instance, he's what six eight, probably runs like a four four in his prime, like jumps out of the building, and he's the biggest, strongest, and fastest guy on the court with the best court vision. Like we haven't seen that just at that type of athleticism in a player, and now you've got players like the Greek Freak, who's just super long and super athletic, super fast. Even Kawhi's like length and athleticism paired, like just the. But just like the body of some of these players is ridiculous. Like, I feel like that wasn't as much the case in the 80s and 90s, leading towards like players evolving. It's like we see a certain type of player and we just, from a young age with all the AAU programs maybe, or just how basketball is such a bigger um, portion of the world kind of, uh, we kind of like to see these types of bodies and we mold them into phenomenal basketball players at such a young age that I can see just in general players just get, they're just going to get better you're going to get better athletes playing better basketball in the future uh i i completely agree with you pro two people who i wanted to point out in that free category in terms of we've never seen anything like it are they're playing against each other right now so john wall for okay so we've seen people who could run fast before and we've seen people who can dribble and pass before but we've never seen someone under that level of control at that high of a speed, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like, the control that he has at that speed, like, it's not how fast he is, it's how good he is when he's going fast. Like, it's incredible. Yeah, I guess when I think of fast players, I think of what, like Iverson, Tony Parker, uh, Lakers, Showtime Lakers, but not necessarily because they ran so fast, but because they ran so much. And John Wall is, like, different. You know, like his change of direction even like at a high speed is just this is like a different level we haven't seen somebody that strong and fast in a while either yeah just with, with watching him the in these playoffs has, has been incredible and the other one is isaiah thomas like uh, for him to to have 53 points in a playoff game like just at five nine like I can't help. I'm five nine, so I can't help but think about all the times that I've gotten my shot blocked and think like, how does he not get these shots blocked? I don't. I don't understand. There's there's a couple players in the world that I don't understand. They're, they were both Celtics. One, Paul Pierce. He's so slow and unathletic. How did he score? I don't get it. And two, Isaiah <laughs> Thomas. I get my shot blocked from people shorter than me. Like, what are you doing? Because when you when you look at him play, like. You see how quick he is, but he gets so much space in between him and the defenders, like all the defenders, that it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, And it's not even like he has John Wall. Yeah, he's not like that much more athletic than anybody. He's quick, but he's not the quickest, you know. Right. Every point guard's quick. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. 
it's incredible. That's why, like, I I I commend like any scouts because you have like no, you have like no real shot of knowing how good a player is going to be under a certain situation. Yeah. You know, and like it's you have a tough frame of reference. It's, it's you're just guessing. Like, who looks at Isaiah Thomas? And is like, you know what? He's going to lead our team to the one seed. Nobody, zero people. Yeah, I wouldn't have. Uh, Justin, who you got? Something that we never seen before. I'll be totally honest. Like Joel Embiid, man. Like hey. I know that we only got to see him for what thirty eight games. Thirty one. Yeah. Yeah. But like that guy is incredible to me, and I was one of the biggest skeptics of his coming out of Kansas. You know, I panned the pick, and I really didn't think that he, he was going to be what he's become, but. Like all I can like all I can do is eat crow in terms of that projection because the guy has turned into something that could potentially dominate this league and dominate the Eastern Conference after LeBron's gone. You know, like Joel Embiid to me, a guy that is seven foot two, able to handle the ball the way he does, shoot the ball the way he does from both the free throw line and the three, and then still give you everything that he does. On the defensive, you know, defensive side of the ball, where he can be your rim protector, but also effectively switch off defensively to guard perimeters, you know, perimeter ones and twos, like all of those things, I don't think we've ever seen at the center position in one player. And seeing it, you know, seeing a guy that can dominate offensively, almost like a Shack. You know, when you look at his per 36 numbers, he is dominant offensively. He's dominant defensively, and he can shoot the three. Like, it's it's unheard of, and I don't think that there's another guy that I can really even think of that comes close. And the, the strange thing about him is, aside from the fact that he hasn't played basketball for a very long time, but he he even looks raw. You know what I mean? Like, even yeah. just looking at him, it looks like he doesn't really know what he's doing, and he's still polished like i don't know if that makes sense but like well no it's uh, i completely know how yeah it's crazy to think about how good he could be when he actually learns how to play the game exactly like he's like the kid that goes to the rec center that like doesn't really play basketball but for some reason is really good like that's what he reminds me of like just imagine him getting a coach like yeah i tell you if this kid if this kid's healthy Everything he does right now is basically instinctual because he doesn't have the muscle memory to do things the way that you're supposed to yet. So if he has, yeah. you know, to your point, five, six, seven years of coaching at the NBA level, by the time he hits, you know, 27, 28, so, like, like I'm praying that this guy stays healthy so I get to His mental and physical prime, right. You know, like, when he gets to that age, like – the projections, like it's astronomical to think what this guy could do. I agree, and the the reason I'm hesitant to like, I'm almost scared to jinx Joel Embiid. Like <laughs> as a Sixers fan, like I don't talk about him that much because like I just want it to happen. Because in 31 games, like to me, that's not a huge sample size. Like if you take, I just really hope that he continues to grow at this at this trajectory. Like. If you look at any like you can get any NBA player and take their a span of thirty one games and it could have been not indicative of the player they actually <laughs> Jeremy <were>. Lin. <laughs> so yeah, like yeah, Jeremy Lin. So so I hope that this is who he is as a Sixers fan. I just don't want to like jinx it and also injuries, you know. Yeah. 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 I think that the injury thing is a legitimate concern and might be like 
the when I watch Joel Embiid play basketball and you know see him put up a twenty one seven on like a fifty percent from the field and you know like thirty four percent from three and he I believe in like nineteen minutes. Yeah, like, I believe he's an eighty percent free throw shooter. We had his minute restrictions. Basically, like half the games that he played, he couldn't touch twenty minutes. So to see him put up those kind of numbers, see him just dominate the way that he did, you know, his plus minuses were off the charts when he was actually on the court. You know, it's if you, if you played the whole year like the way that he played when he was here, like I think he would have been in, like a discussion for the MVP. Like if we just. Because we won a good amount of games. Like, I don't know if they would have made the playoffs, but like we weren't that far behind in the games that he played. Like Our record was pretty good in the games that he played. So like I think he was having that much of an impact. It was ridiculous. We were beating everybody yeah. when he was on the floor and losing to everybody by a lot when he wasn't. Yeah, I, I'd say injuries, in my opinion, are the only thing that could potentially slow him down. But you know, I, I really hope that doesn't happen. It's just... You know, every game I get to see him, I'm gonna enjoy because he's a lot fun to watch. Justin moved to Philly, became Me a too, Sixers fan. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're gonna leave it at that. Thank you for calling, Justin. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, want to talk to us, disagree with any of the points that we made, you want to call in to the next episode of the show. You can reach us on Twitter at Call It Pod. <clears throat> We just recently got on iTunes, call it how we see it. Please leave us any feedback, good, bad, positive, negative. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer on the next episode, please let us know. We love hearing from you guys, and we appreciate the listens. Thank you, and have a good night. What it do, what it do, there's a full court pressure, I'm just going for the two, if I'm open for the three, I'ma take it in a second, even if there's one second, I'ma make it, it's nothing, I don't take it for granted, I don't take it for nothing, I take it for what it's worth to the dirt, motherfucker, yeah, baby, you gotta know that I'm just out.